the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. Welcome in to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. I'm Bruce Hooley. Glad to have you along. I'm here with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. For the next hour, we'll be talking about managing your money, growing your nest egg, building toward financial independence and retirement. We appreciate you joining us. We invite you to join us on Mondays at 1230 for the Money Monday segment that Josh participates in with me on the Bruce Hooley Show on 98.9 The Answer. But we're happy to have you with us now. You can send us an email, bruce at salemmedia.com, bruce at salemmedia.com, and you can also mark on your calendar the replay of the show tomorrow at noon. Tell your friends about it. We'd love to have you help us grow our audience for the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. Aptus is located in Lewis Center, just off Route 750, a bit north of 270 and 23, and they offer you a free consultation so you can personalize a lot of the things that we're talking about today as we help you build that retirement nest egg and offset a lot of the expenses that might be coming later in life, and take advantage of your hard work. You can set up that consultation by calling 614-917-1040, 614-917-1040, or you can make your appointment online at their website, aptuswealth.com, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. Josh, we got the inflation numbers this week, 5%, which is down from 5.6% in February. It is the 23rd straight month. We've had inflation at 5% or higher. The 24th straight month, we've had negative real wages, which I would say underscores the challenge of growing your retirement nest egg in an economy where prices are ever escalating and wages are not keeping up. Yeah, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's the lowest inflation, thankfully, that we've had since May of 2021. So we're Mm -hmm. certainly going the right direction. That said... Uh, you know, we've been used to for a very long time inflation rates being down in the ones or twos. And here we are sitting at five. And just like you said, wages just aren't simply keeping up. So I think that the average American family is feeling the pinch, uh, you know, whether it's at the pump or at the grocery store. And where we already had what some are calling a retirement crisis, meaning people are not saving as much as people need to save. And on top of that, we have you know, the challenges of what's going to happen with Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid. So there's a lot of uncertainty out there. And then you kind of tag team that and couple that all with the fact that we're not making as much as we need to make to save. Well, we couldn't save before. We certainly can't save now. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely right. And we're going to talk about Social Security some and the challenge of the Social Security system in this climate that we're in right now, filled with volatility and pricing and everybody trying to find out the best place to have their money and grow their money in this challenging environment. And the thing about inflation, Josh, is it's a year-over-year number. So 5% is a 5% hike, as you well know, from March of 2022. 
when inflation was 8.5% a year ago. So we're talking about from 2021 to 2023, an increase in prices of 13.5%. And I don't know anybody whose wages have gone up 13.5%. I mean, I'm sure there are some, but generally that's not something that we see present in the market. So inflation is a threat to the money that you already have and the money you're trying to save to keep up so that your value of your total investments is not going down when prices are going up by 13.5% over a two-year period. Well, I think a lot of people would argue that it's not really 13%. It's really more than that. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, we all know that the things we cannot run, like groceries, has gone up by significantly more than that. Now, from my perspective, I think that has significant impacts in a lot of capacities. Obviously, your ability to save is based upon your disposable income. And if you're using more of your income, you have less disposable income. However, as you're looking at retirement planning, and I think all of us at some point probably want to maybe not retire from working, but do something that we would love to do and become financially independent, there's a lot of variables in that planning. And you have to make some assumptions. And it was a heck of a lot easier to do retirement planning when the assumption was, well, for the last 20 years, inflation's basically been 2.5%, so pretty easy to calculate. Now the real challenge is not only are we in volatile market times and rising interest rates and all the things that we already know, but what do I use as an assumption for inflation moving forward? Is the Fed going to be able to control it? And if they do control it very quickly, then we've heard time and time again, if they pull the reins too tight, maybe we'll slap us into a recession. Well, then I'm getting hit from both sides. My, I need more money because of inflation, and maybe my investments aren't doing as well because the stock market has plummeted. So we're left with this, we're juxtaposed with this kind of uh, tumultuous decision with no right solution, right? But there are ways that you can mitigate that risk, and there are ways that you can plan for it. And some of the obvious ones would be, you know, manage your debt position, manage your income, manage the things that you can control so that you can minimize the impact of the things you can't control. Yeah. And to your point that a lot of people would argue that inflation is higher than uh, 8.5% a year ago, 5% now, uh, the survey, uh, according to, I believe it was Wall Street Journal, less than 20% of Americans now say they're better off than they were a year ago. So people are definitely feeling that pinch. And when people feel pinched, you know, they're trying to pay their bills. And a lot of the times the easy way to get additional funds quickly is just put it on your credit card. And we see credit card debt escalating a lot. And I wonder if even with people like your clients who are very disciplined, they've obviously prioritized saving for retirement, is credit card debt and getting rid of credit card debt something that you run into with the most disciplined investors, even something that they maybe don't calculate at the time how problematic that can become if they reach for it as a go-to in a time where they're maybe short of this amount of money that they need for whatever expense arises in a particular month. Yeah, I mean, discipline sometimes can be selective. I mean, think of all the people that go to the gym every day, but then they eat horribly, yeah. right? On one hand, you're being very disciplined. On the other hand, you're not. Well, similarly, when it comes to investing, sometimes even when people aren't disciplined, uh, credit card debt can get away from them. And it gets away from you very, very quickly because the interest rates are so exponentially high. It's not uncommon to see credit cards, you know, where you're paying 20, 25% in interest. It doesn't take a lot of debt at 25% for this thing to get away from you. If you remember that rule of 72 that we talk about all the time, the rule of 72 means if you take an interest rate and use it as a denominator on the number 72, so 72 divided by 20, mm -hmm. which is the percentage, means that your debt without payments would double every three and a half years-ish, yeah. right? Yeah. 
So even if you say, well, it's only 5,000 bucks and you're only paying the minimum payments, that becomes 6,000 bucks very, very quickly. And then when you start getting out of hand, you know, I ran into a a client just the other day that had about $62,000 in credit card debt. And, you know, on the surface, that doesn't seem like an astronomical number to some because, you know, they make a great living. They have tremendous amounts of resources available in the way of savings, um, but all that savings was through their 401k. So it's not like they can just go grab their 401k to necessarily pay off their debt. Right. Now, there are some options, you know, you can get loans off your 401k, et cetera. But the problem here was off of that $60,000 in credit card debt, their minimum payments or what they were paying, at least, was about 1800 bucks a month. That, for most people, is a is at least a house payment. Yes, absolutely. Right? So you would say, okay, great. Well, they're being very aggressive at paying this off. $1,800 a month, that's you know $20,000 a year-ish. They're going to knock out that sixty grand in no time at all. Uh, not the case. When you add in 20, their average debt position was 22% in interest. It was going to take them a long, long, long time. I, I hesitate to even say the number, but I remember it being far past 10 years. It might have even been 20. Um, so you know, where, what are some things that you can do? We're always talking about on the show, how do I... How do I limit the amount of income that I live off of, which means I live worse? Or how do I save more uh, so that I have more? You know, those are both great strategies. But is there a way that I can not change my lifestyle and still improve my situation? And the answer is a resounding yes. So I'll tell you what we did with them. Um, And I'm going to ignore some of the stuff we did with 401k loans. They had a, a decent amount of equity in their home. They've lived in the same home for a really long period of time. So you know, while their home value was north of 400000 they only owed about two thirty. Now, equity lines are not what they used to be. They used to be, you know, 2 3% in interest, just yeah. like, home, like home mortgages. But now they're about 8.3, 8.4, depending upon what bank you go to. Um, so 8% doesn't sound great, but it's a heck of a lot better than 24%. Yes, it is. Uh, you don't need to be a mathematician to figure out it's about a third, right? So what we did was we were able to lower the amount they were paying. So instead of paying eighteen hundred a month, they're paying fifteen hundred. Still being disciplined, still doing everything. Took out a home equity loan, consolidated down to one payment, so they're not sending in seventeen payments because they had all these different credit cards. They're free and clear of credit card debt, and they're going to pay that off in a third of the time at a less payment amount. So, can you make a difference? Of course. Were they aware that an equity line existed? Yes. Is it sexy and fun to talk about? We're going to go get an equity line to pay off our credit card debt. No. But these are some of the things that you need to do. I mean, life insurance isn't really interesting to talk about either, but you better have some if you have kids and a family. No doubt about it. And uh, certainly we talk about minimizing tax burden and, you know, paying $1,800 a month to get rid of a debt. Uh, if that $1,800 a month will get rid of that debt faster, it might uh, alleviate some of the concerns people have about having a second mortgage, which is a credit, you know, which is a home equity line and all those kinds of things. So, it underscores the importance of having somebody who looks at your finances dispassionately, somebody that can give you an objective view. That is what Josh and the Aptus team can do. They are fiduciaries, which means they are legally obligated to do what is best for you. And you can get a free consultation with Josh and his team to get to know them. They get to know you. Set that up by calling their office, making your appointment, 614-917-1040. You can also make your appointment online at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, Aptus Wealth. Do you, when you encounter a situation where somebody's got a problem to solve and you identify a strategy to help them solve it, how often are you working through maybe a preconceived notion about, no, no, we really want to pay off our house. We don't want to take out additional debt on our house. We've already paid that off. 
then I'm sure you have a way of showing them on paper, like, look, you'll pay this debt off so much faster at an 8% interest rate on a home equity line than you will on a 20 or a 24% interest rate on a credit card. Yeah, I think there's a lot of preconceived notions. Um, you know, one would be just that all financial planners do is manage money in the way of like picking stocks and mutual mm-hmm. funds. And, and that's about maybe a third of what you should be doing if you're a true you know, financial planner. Uh, but, you know, sometimes I'll give you two scenarios. Uh, sometimes people have a cash flow problem. And cash flow problem is how we actually live. We like to talk about our financial situation based upon net worth, but net worth really means nothing. Cash flow to live on means everything. Um, Think of it in the terms of real estate. If you had a rental property and the property was worth a million dollars, but you're only making 500 bucks a year off of it, that is not a very good investment, right? Unless you plan on selling it really soon and then turning it into cash flow. Well, similarly, uh, when you're talking about debt, it's a cash flow problem. So what you need to do is figure out a way to minimize the cash flow. Now, you have to exchange that with, I don't want to lower my payment and then pay for the next 100 years of my life, of course. But if you can simply reduce interest rates, it makes a drastic difference. Now, how do I conquer that preconceived notion that you were talking about? Uh, well, sometimes you do a little bit of a you know, slide of the hand where you describe a solution before you tell them what it is. So... Rather than saying, hey, this is what you need to do is buy life insurance. You say what you need to do is protect your family. Would you agree? Yes. And if you could do that in the least expensive way possible, you would do that. Wouldn't it be awesome if if you did pass away, your family got that money tax free? That would that would be cool. That would be handy. And what if they could get it within a matter of a couple of days? That would also be handy. And what if you could accomplish that for just a mere dollar amount per month? Well, by the way, that's life insurance. Uh, Same thing on an equity line. Wouldn't it be great if you could lower your credit card interest rate down to a third of what you're currently paying, have flexible payment structure, um, not have it in a position where you have no control over it. um, And then, you know, God forbid you have to sell your house. It solves the problem for you. Oh, by the way, this is an equity line, but there's challenges to the equity line. Is it still a variable rate? Yes. So if the fed raises interest rates by a quarter of a point, is your equity line going to go up? Yes. How many quarter point raises do you need to have before you hit 24%? I mean, that's a lot of quarters. That is right? a lot. So my, my point here is uh, that financial planning should be, it should be a lot of things. It should be managing your debt. It should be determining the appropriate cash flow from a tax perspective as well as location. Managing, God forbid, something happens to you. Where does the money go? How are my assets titled? How are they protected? How am I taking advantage of all the codes that are available in the IRS and quite frankly, you know, all the way down to bankruptcy laws, how am I taking advantage of those for my best interest? That doesn't mean that we're, we're, you know, doing anything underhanded or, you know, moving all our money to some offshore trust that's illegal, just simply using what's available to all of us that you might not be aware of that can improve your situation. Well, when you have a, someone who's managing your retirement, I mean, it certainly would be foolish in my opinion, not to listen to them. That's one of the best things that my wife and I have gained from becoming clients of Aptus Wealth Management is having the uh, much wider perspective on answers to our financial situation that Josh and his team at Aptus pose. You can get a free consultation with them, 614-917-1040, 614-917-1040. You can set up your consultation by making your appointment online at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. They are physically located in Lewis Center, but that does not need to stop you from becoming an Aptus client. They do service a lot of their clients 
remotely. That's one of the things we have to uh, thank, I guess, the pandemic for. There's not a long list, but that's one of the things. And you can listen to Josh and I on Money Monday on The Answer at 1230 every Monday on 989 The Answer. If you're interested in hearing this show again or telling your friends about it, it airs tomorrow at noon right here on The Answer. Okay, so I know we've talked about minimizing tax bills. We've talked about strategic answers to the challenging market conditions that are out there. And one of the things that I don't think we've talked about yet are people who are self-employed, people who have their own business. And, you know, uh, typically we think about people who've worked for a business for X number of years. They've worked for four different businesses now, uh, and they've got 401ks here, there, and everywhere. But let's chat a little bit about people who are self-employed and what challenges they face in retirement or what advantages they have as they build toward retirement. Yeah, I think the first thing that I would recommend that anybody who owns a small business uh, does is get a very good accountant. And the reason for that is there are different tax codes that apply to different ways that businesses are coded. For example, an LLC is taxed differently than an LLC taxed as an S-corp. And it's different than a C-corp. And all of these different kind of elections, if you will, make a big, big difference in the taxes that you pay and everything from wage taxes to carry forward on on income you don't take. So that would be the first step. And that is going to determine what retirement plans you have available to you. For example, if you're just an individual self-employed person, you know, maybe you're a consultant, you may have an LLC set up or maybe you don't, uh, but you're just a true Schedule C employee, uh, employee and employer. You're the only one. You could do a solo 401k very, very inexpensively, or you could do what's called a SEP IRA, which stands for self-employed persons Mm -hmm. IRA, right? And the benefits to both of those things are you can contribute quite a lot um, uh, on the, on the basis of a SEP and and don't quote me on this, but I think based upon a percentage of your income that you may, you make, you can put all the way upwards of like 60 or $62,000 away into a SEP. So talking about a tax shelter, if you will, great place to put the money. Um, However, if you're taxed as an S-corp, well, that means that now you have probably employees, and that is not the best idea for you. It would then shift to a traditional 401k or a simple IRA. All of these things have advantages, but you have to know when you're self-employed that you're paying both sides of wage taxes, which means it's about an extra 7 7.5% in tax rate that you wouldn't have to pay if you're an employee. And, you know, you don't have that 401k with a company match and all that. Mm-hmm. You are the company. Yeah. So there are some challenges. You're not going to get one of the big ones I would suggest is if you're married and you have any health conditions, one of the benefits to working for a, you know, a Fortune 500 company is you can get life insurance with no underwriting whatsoever. You just get part of the group life insurance plan typically. Well, now you are the employer and you're not big enough to have a group life insurance plan, so you're going to have to go through underwriting. So before you go, and I always advocate, follow your dream, go start your own business, uh, you know, I think it's two or three out of every four jobs in the United States is is actually started by a small business. So I'm a huge advocate, particularly being a small business owner, people doing that. But before you make that leap, make sure you do some investigating, speak with an accountant, speak with a financial planner, find out what am I missing? But if you've already done it, well, then have the conversation now and find out what can I do, right? But you can do things, but you got to it's now on you. You got to be proactive and you got to go do it. Yeah. The best time to have that conversation is before you jump in, but the next best time is uh, today. And uh, Josh and his team provide the kind of advice, the kind of counsel 
that helps you avoid mistakes and pitfalls or help you tend to them and mitigate the damage from them if there is, in fact, any damage. 614-917-1040 to set up your consultation with Josh and the Aptus team. You can also make your appointment online at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. And the one thing I, I jumped out at me as you were talking about an SEP is people might not think of themselves as uh, being uh, self-employed or being an independent business person. Uh, I know one of my careers in the past, uh, I was a newspaper reporter, but I also did some freelance writing, not for my newspaper. Well, uh, I'm fortunate to be married to an accountant, and she suggested to me, she's like, hey, you know, you can put a portion of your total earnings into an SEP. And I thought at the time, well, okay, it's fine, but there's really not that much in terms of what kind of a dent can that make. But 25, 30 years later, if you're doing that on an annual basis, um, I'm really glad I did it then. And that little bit, if you're helping out on the side, consulting with somebody, that can make a huge difference. It, it always shocks people when I tell them how big of an impact you can make with a very small amount of money. Give an example, college funding. I, I just took my first college visit with my oldest son mm-hmm. and it kind of brought to my mind the amount of people that I've talked to, whether they're friends or people I bump into that go, you know, college is going to be so darn expensive. There's no point in even trying. Well, why even try and save? What's 50 bucks a month going to do? It's like throwing a nickel in the ocean. Hmm. I mean, you know, college is going to cost a hundred, 200,000 bucks. What is 50 bucks a month going to do? Well, 50 bucks a month is $600 a year. And if you do that for just 10 years, that's $6,000. You add in 10 years worth of returns. That's probably 10 grand. Yeah. Well, now you can kind of do the math and extrapolate that over time. If you would have started when they were born, which, you know, let's assume that you didn't, if we're having this conversation, the numbers would be even higher. The point being, much just echoing what you said, if you can only save 25 bucks a month, save 25 bucks a month. Just start early, repeat, 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 and you'll be amazed at how much money you end up with. Yeah. Uh, how much uh, maybe can people if they know this option is out there, uh, maybe think outside the box or invent ways to find uh, avenues through which they can do what they do, what they're already good at. Maybe they can market themselves to other people and find a way to add a new retirement bucket, if you will, to what they're already saving. I mean, you're not restricted to just what you might have from your employer or what you might get from social security. I mean, how much uh, maybe do people need to enlarge their thinking on different ways that they can set some money aside and, and take advantage of that compounding over time? Yeah, I mean, the new kids are always talking about, you know, my kids are always talking about a side gig. That yeah. seems to be like yeah, the side hustle. The sure. side hustle. There you go. Side gig, side hustle. Um, you know, those side hustles can make a big difference. Uh, but it, it all points back to just starting. And it's so easy to say, I don't have the money. If you're anything like every human being I've ever talked to in my entire life, I promise you there is $25 a month going somewhere that you don't even know where it goes. It just was in your wallet, and then it went out of your wallet, and who knows? You could have taken that out of your wallet and put it in an investment, and I bet your life doesn't change at all. You know, there was a th- we have an advisor that works for a, a company that, that I have some ownership in, and, and his old pitch was, um, could you skip a pizza once a month? Yeah. Just once a month. Just once a month. Sure. Well, I, it astounds me how expensive pizzas are these days, but I got three boys and when I go to get pizzas, it's like 50 bucks, yeah. right? So if I just did that once a month on a Friday, 50 bucks a month, imagine if you did that from the time you were 25 until you were 60, 
be unbelievable. Yeah, and you know, you can all look for those things. Is it forego, you know, one designer coffee a week? Is it pack your lunch once a week, twice a week? And I would think too, Josh, once people start to see their money accrue, once they start to see a nest egg grow, that can be uh, you know, more of an inducement to continue that activity. Oh, it's motivation for sure. It's no different than, you know, you go to the gym, you start eating well and you lose five pounds. Yeah. And you go, Whoa, maybe maybe I'm not just uh treading water here. Maybe I'm moving in the right direction. Now that does not, I don't want to detract, you know, we, we're simply talking about, we'll say 50 bucks a month. That is the discipline that you as the individual needs to have, but where to put it is really where, you know, we come in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm not suggesting that anybody wants to save $10 a month that we're the best solution for you. But what I am saying is that at some point that 50 bucks a month is going to tally up to a number that's going to be pretty significant. And, you don't really want to mess up a hundred or two hundred or five hundred thousand dollars, so that's where you might want to reach out and say, "Hey, what do I do now?" Yeah, that's where a professional uh, like Josh, like the Aptus team, comes in handy, and uh, you can make uh, yourself uh, the beneficiary of their willingness to meet with you with no obligation at all. It's a free consultation. Set it up. Call the office six one four nine one seven ten forty. Their office very easy to get to. Plenty of parking. No problem at all. Lewis Center, just off Route 750, a little bit north of 23 and 270. Josh and I are going to talk about more retirement options, more strategies for managing the volatility in the market. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. Thanks for joining us on the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. I'm Bruce Hooley here with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. And for the next half hour, we will be talking about planning for building toward financial independence in retirement. That's what it's about. You've worked hard and you certainly want to grow whatever it is you have saved. And if you haven't saved, well, it's time to get started. And that's what we'll be talking about today. You can reach out to Josh and the Aptus team to understand answers to the volatility that is out there, reactions, and have a plan, a blueprint, if you will, for the volatility in our market now. We have high inflation. We have rising interest rates. It's a a compilation of market conditions we haven't seen in almost four decades. So get answers from a professional, from a fiduciary, someone who is legally obligated to do what is best for you. Set up your free consultation with no obligation at all by calling the Aptus office at 614-917-1040. You can also set up your appointment online by going to their website at aptuswealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. So here's a story, Josh, that caught my eye. An NBA player named Antoine Walker The headline says he blew $108 million in career earnings by wanting to be like Jay-Z, Puff Daddy, and other rappers. So I find it hard to believe anybody could go bankrupt after signing a $108 million contract. But I do occasionally see headlines about lottery winners who go bankrupt. And is is that a common story for people who come into sudden, almost incomprehensible amounts of money? It's it's just absolutely common. Really? I mean, all the time. Yeah. And one thing I'd really like in that article to to read if they had it, which they don't, is what he bought, because that's the most fun thing to read. Yeah, and it is. I, I encourage everybody to go online and look up what, you know, Nicolas Cage went bankrupt at one point, or at least darn near. Mm-hmm. Look up what he purchased, and it's just fun to read. I mean, you know, $350,000 dinosaur bones. The list just goes on and on and on, right? Yeah. I think the phenomenon here is when you think of the number $108 million, how could I possibly spend $108 million? 
Now, also think about if someone grew up with no money and now they have $108 million, there's no way I could pour enough water out of that bucket to make it go empty, right? I wouldn't think so. Other than you can. Um, and, you know, Shaq actually talks openly about this. He said the first time he got money in his pocket, he spent like $2 million in the first weekend of his bonus. And after taxes, his bonus was actually only like $1.8 million. So it was like $200,000 oh, wow. in the hole. Because, you know, you're buying houses for your friends and family. You're buying multiple cars in one day. The list just goes on and on. And, and you know, unfortunately, I've had or fortunately, I've had the pleasure of working with uh, some lottery winners. But unfortunately, I've seen their spending habits. And, you know, I can help you direct the money and I can even, you know, spit some wisdom at you. But ultimately, it's your discipline that's going to keep you on the straight and narrow. And unfortunately, every lottery winner I've ever had has within a period of three years spent every nickel they won in the lottery. Wow. Now, see, when I saw this headline, I thought, okay, what happened here is he couldn't have possibly had a, anybody in his life who was putting a check on spending I can't even fathom. It's hard for me to believe that if you spent $108 million, you wouldn't be in the course of obviously wasting some of that money acquiring assets that it would at least be worth something on the back end. But I know you, I'm a client of Aptus, and I know uh, your strategies are very, very sound. So I'm surprised to hear that you've had lottery winners who, what, they just didn't follow what you told them, didn't want to set money aside, didn't want to keep it away from where they could get their hands on it. Yeah, people who haven't kind of grown into the money, meaning that, you know, they've it's taken them a long time, you know, pain, sweat, tears mm -hmm. to get the money that they have, where they become very protective of it. When it's a flash in the pan, they assume that that's the way that money is made. It's made by a flash in the pan. And you can also look this up. Look up, you know, Dave Ramsey did a lot of research recently out of his organization about what the average millionaire looks like. And I hate to break the news for everybody who's cynical. They did not get it overnight. They didn't inherit it. It was not given to them. It was built up over a long time of discipline, discipline savings, and logical investing strategies. So when you look at folks like this or the lottery winners that I'm talking about, a lot of times where the money goes, you know, they start with a million bucks and somebody comes up to them and says, you know, hey, uh, I got this really good idea for a pizza shop mm -hmm. and it's just going to take 400,000 bucks to get it set up. And this person's never run a pizza shop before. They might not even know how to make pizza. They just like pizza. So it sounds like, okay, hey, my buddy's got a bunch of money now. So I'm going to go ask him for money to start this pizza shop because I hate my job. And then the 400 grand's gone, poof, in a matter of 18 months. Or, you know, this, my other friend's got this really good idea. He's, he knows a lot about this thing. And he told me that we can start doing this. Well, there's another 200 grand. And then, you know, I've always wanted, and this is a good part of it. So I'm not knocking this. You know, I've always, my parents have helped me out dramatically. So I'm going to pay off their house mm -hmm. or do whatever. And that's all good stuff. But by the time we pay taxes, the three items that I just said, you're broke. You're all out of money. So what should you have done with it? First, I always advocate having some fun. So if you get a million bucks, take a hundred grand of it, go buy something stupid, whatever it is, make it, I mean, you got to windfall, enjoy it, right? Yeah. I mean, don't, that's like getting an A on your report card and saying, well, I didn't get an A plus, so I suck. I mean, <laughs> that's just foolish, right? Yeah. If, you, if you, you do something fun, then pay your taxes because I've seen people go upside down on taxes too. Then do some really boring, logical things that are going to make a difference in your life for the rest of your life. And then if you want to try one of these crazy ideas, do it with maybe like 5 or 10%. Protect yourself from yourself. Unfortunately, that's not what usually happens.
No, it's not. And I hearken back to years ago, I was uh, sent to cover a bankruptcy hearing in the state of Ohio. Mike Tyson had purchased a property in Ohio and he was in arrears on it. In the course of that bankruptcy hearing, they were showing him clearly a very high-end real estate brochure for a multi-multi-million dollar estate somewhere in Connecticut. And they handed him the brochure and he's looking at the brochure and all the rooms and all the ornate furnishings. And at one point in time, it like a light went on in his head and he asked the judge, is this my place? Well, they obviously were showing him the brochure because it was his place and they were inquiring about the taxes on it or the debt on it. And that made an impression on me that you can have so much money. And he made $59 million in one year at the height of his career. It was all gone by the time he had this bankruptcy hearing is that you could purchase a place that it was probably in the double figure millions of dollars. And he wasn't even aware that he owned it. There was like a light bulb moment. Oh, wait, I, is this the house that I own? Cause he never stayed there. He owned a house worth more than $10 million. He never spent a night there. I'm sure that's an extreme case, but people can get sucked into things that seem like, oh, well, what's the harm? I've got plenty of money. Well, then one day you wake up and you don't have plenty of money. Well, he's a perfect example. I mean, he had a tiger. Yeah. And he had, I heard somewhere, this isn't verified, that he was spending like $100,000 a month on feed, bird seed for his flipping pigeons. So, I mean, if I'm making $59 million a year, does it matter? No, except for that. You don't own a company that generates $59 million a year every single year. You have a finite window of boxing, Mm -hmm. right? And I think sometimes that's what happens is people, whether you're a football player, you're a lottery winner, whatever it is, you, I'm making $10 million a year. Yeah, but for a finite window. So you can't spend, it's different for you. If you're working at Nationwide Financial, you know, here in Columbus and you're making $100,000 a year and you save 15% 15% of your income for your whole career, you're going to retire just fine. If you're making $10 million a year for five years and you save 15% of your income, you're not going to be just fine for the rest of your life because you're used to living on $8.5 million and one and a half multiplied by four or five years doesn't equate to $8.5 million for the rest of your life. So there's only one thing worse than being broke, and that's being broke and being really rich and then being really broke, because now you know what Rich looked like, and it was it's not a good fall from grace. No, it certainly is not, and that's what we want to prevent. That is what, of course, Josh and his team are hoping to help you avoid. A free consultation awaits you by calling the office and setting up your appointment. Aptus is located in Lewis Center, just off Route 750. Very easy to get to. You can make your consultation for your no-obligation free consultation by calling the office 614-917-1040 or by making your appointment online at aptuswealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. Now, those uh, insane amounts of money, flash, uh, you know, windfalls are not something that most people uh, have to blow. But one way that people can get caught off guard, Josh, is by a market condition that they did not see coming because for the longest time we were in a situation where you know, if you owned an index fund, you were going to get a pretty good return if you just left your money alone in the stock market. Everybody was used to a 20-year period where interest rates were very low. Now we are in a position in the last two years where people are dealing, a lot of them for the first time in their life, challenging situations to grow their retirement nest egg, and they have to make better decisions. They have to have somebody on the case. That's what you guys specialize in. How challenging have the past two years been for you 
in terms of dealing with your clients and most importantly, uh, adjusting to, anticipating, and reacting to these market conditions that have resulted in high inflation, higher interest rates, and greater volatility. Yeah, volatility is really the killer for investors. Um, I think inherently as investors, we all know that if we leave the money in, let's just use the market as a broad brushstroke, if we leave the money in the market for the next 20 years, we know we're going to have a lot more money 20 years from now than we do now. However, as much as we'd like to think that we can just put the horse blinders on and ignore everything that's happening, not even open the envelopes when they come in the mail, I think if we're being honest with ourselves, we know we all do to some capacity. Look at that. And even if we're not looking at our own stuff, just we all watch the news. And when you watch the news and you hear all this tumultuous stuff, it's going to be a recession, mm -hmm. depression, stock market's going to go to, you know, going to go down to, the, to zero. We start getting a lot of anxiety. And, you know, unfortunately, what we've been fed as, as, as clients, in my opinion, is two things that aren't necessarily the best ways to conquer that. Way number one is, well, just buy and hold. And do exactly what I just said. Just close your eyes and 20 years later, open your eyes back up and you'll be great. And that's true if we can actually do it. But there's something called the behavior gap, investor behavior gap. And this has been proven time and time again that there is a, there is a significant decline in your rate of return just by the decisions that you make on your own. So even if the market averages 7% over the next, you know, per year over the next 20 years, the average investor in the United States is going to average like three mm -hmm. because they're going to pull out at the wrong time and right. put the money back in. The other way is, well, I'm working with a financial advisor, and I'll use this as an example of somebody that I talked to literally this morning. He said, my financial advisor's you know, he's pretty good. Nice, nice guy. Uh, I've been with him for a number of years. We get together every six months, and I go, well, what does that meeting look like? Well, he asks me my opinion on the investments. He gives me his opinion, and then we go with basically my opinion, and he moves stuff around. Well, how does that meeting occur? Well, when I call him. So your super strategic plan is, Whenever you call your person, you go meet with your person, and then that person moves some stuff around so it looks like they're doing something, which may or may not be at a really good time. And moves it around according to the client's kind direction? Okay. Yeah. So what ends up happening in that scenario? Well, fear and greed are your financial planners. Because what happened with this particular person is, you know, he thought he was a moderate investor. That's the way he feels. He feels like, I don't like volatility that much. Well, then in... 2001, 2002, the market starts going crazy. Uh, 2001, excuse me. And in 2001, he goes, well, I mean, this thing just keeps on shooting up. I mean, I'm a moderate investor, but I, I hear everybody making 20%. I'm making 12. So in 2021, let's go. Yeah. And the advisor says, okay. And then 2022 hits and he's down 20%. He goes, I don't think I'm a, a, an aggressive investor anymore. Has another meeting. I think we should pull back the reins. Okay. So what do we just do? We bought high and sold low. That's not a strategy. No. Uh, so how should it be handled? It should be handled that you're still having meetings consistently with your advisor, but there should be discretionary authority given to your advisor to make changes when they see fit to all of their clients' accounts. And that might not be at the time that you think makes the most sense. So when we were pulling back the reins in 2021 and then you know, 2021 had a really good run at the end of the year and you look like a moron and all your clients are saying, Hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? And we're saying the numbers, I, I see what you're seeing as far as rates of return, but the risk metric that you're assuming for that, it's just not going to continue. And then 2022 hits and Oh, now I'm smart again. Right. 
So you have to start this relationship with client and advisor of one of long duration, which is why we use the blueprint process to show exactly what we do so that clients give us the ability to actually help them by knowing that this is a long-term process that they're bought into. If we would do our blueprint process in one meeting, we would be doing our clients a disservice because we wouldn't have them at a level of understanding to stick with the plan. And then when 2022 hit, well, thanks for paying us, but you paid us for nothing because you pulled all your money out and it, it did what it did. Yeah. I mean, let me take people behind the scenes a little bit. Like my wife and I are clients at Aptus and for us, if anybody asked me like, well, what do you have now that you didn't have before? Number one, I would say peace of mind. The reason why we have peace of mind is because I understand what we're doing and why we're doing it. And that's to me priceless because I had a fear that, okay, if we're managing this on our own, we're reacting to headlines. We're not proactive. We're reactive. And I wanted to find someone who is monitoring market conditions and volatility and scanning the financial horizon for danger out there to help me avoid that danger before I'm trying to react to it. So I would highly recommend you get that free consultation with Josh and his team. Learn about them. Learn about their process. They'll learn about you, too. I mean, it's a two-way street. You have to be a fit. 614-917-1040. 614-917-1040. You can set up your appointment online at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. And one of those things that might be out there on the horizon, this word that everybody's scared of, is a recession. And we hear all these forecasts about Oh, the recession, it's doom and gloom. Or no, it's going to be fine. We're going to have a uh, soft landing here. So Bank of America, a name everybody knows, uh, they uh, submitted uh, to an interview, I guess, uh, with someone here from, I think, Yahoo Finance. And the headline reads, Bank of America shares 12 charts that show that the economy is about to enter a full-blown recession. Now, I'm not saying this is Bank of America's position. This is the position of this particular uh, news organization that is framing it through that prism. But here are some of the things that they say are warning signs. A decline in manufacturing activity. A decline in manufacturing often coincides with lower earnings. Global earnings model suggests imminent decline. Steepening yield curve often precedes a recession. Price of oil, job market, on and on and on and on and on. What I'm interested in here is how much of what you do is keeping your eyes open to market conditions before those market conditions become headline on the first page of the Wall Street Journal. And that is really, I think, what uh, a person gets when they get a fiduciary, because a fiduciary is uh, what you are and what some financial planners are, where you are obligated to do what is best for the client. You're not putting them in investments because, oh, hey, I get paid X percent commission on this investment, and it's more than the other one, so I'm going to put them in the one with the highest commission. Yeah, all of that type of research goes uh, very significantly into the recommendations that we end up doing and how we manage money. And it's, it's definitely an interpretation game. It's, it's math and science and interpretation and all, all the things in between. Cause you know, I'm looking at an article right here, same time period from CNN that says banking crisis will tilt into a mild recession. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, this is the interpretation of the recent fed meeting where the fed said, you know, we have a very small window to come in for a soft landing and we owe all this creative, you know, linguistics to try and wordsmith our way into whatever we're trying to pitch. Yeah, I mean, you can't find a headline to pretty much tell you whatever you want to hear, 
Right. And now we have algorithms yeah. that as soon as you find the one you like and you read it for a longer period of time, you just get force fed more of the ones that you like. Right. So it ends up being this echo chamber of what you want to hear. And that can be very dangerous, particularly on the gloom and doom side, because if you read one gloom and doom article and they start force feeding it to them by the end of the night, yeah. you've had four bourbons and you're like, it's all coming yeah. to an end. Right. Yeah. Get, in, get me out of the market. I want all my money. I'm putting it under my mattress. Yeah, you're right. The algorithms can be dangerous. I notice even on social media. That boy, I'm wow, I'm 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 sure like I'm reading every one of these stories. Wow, I'm retweeting every one of these stories. And I have the cognitive awareness, like, wait a minute, they figured out what appeals to me and they're feeding me what they think I like and base they're basing that on what I've shown I like. And if there's one thing that rises to the top with humans, I mean not to dive too deep into this, but you know, we're not lions and tigers, so you know, we're kinda we're on two feet so we can run away from danger. Yes. So we're already have this you know, predisposal to, well, if it's bad, I better protect myself. Yeah, against to it. fear. Fear, we respond right. to fear. Right. So the more fear we send you, the better. But to, to circle back to your question about how much does that impact our investment decisions, I don't think right now you can ignore that the Fed has a significant impact on what the direction of the economy and the stock market is going to be. The Fed has a significant impact on what the bond market will do because there's an inverse relationship there between rising interest rates and bonds. But it doesn't influence all bonds equally. So, And also the rising interest rate environment is not going to affect all stocks equally. Uh, you know, Certain environments create a tailwind for different investments and some create a headwind. And while we are not market timers and we are not going to go, we're in the market, we're out of the market, we're in cash, we're in stocks, we will never do that. That is a loser's game. Mm -hmm. We will lean into certain areas of the market and lean away from others based upon what the economic forecast looks like. So think about things like consumer-sensitive investments and consumer-defensive investments. Defensive investments would be things like, even if it gets bad... You, and you're sick, you're going to give up your health care last. If things are bad and you don't have a lot of money, you're going to give up toilet paper long after you've already given up your Netflix subscription, mm -hmm. right? Or your priorities are really askew. So are certain investments, quote unquote, safer than others? Absolutely. If you know that there's, you know, uh, a huge change like green energy, right? There is no question, nobody would argue right now that the initiative in the federal government is electric vehicles. Whether you like it or you hate it, I don't care. That is the big push. Yep. So how can you make money investing knowing that? We pay a lot of attention to that. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And the danger in not being proactive, in not evaluating things as they happen, Josh, we're seeing that play out with the Federal Reserve, where they're now trying to get their arms around rising inflation and their one attack mechanism is to raise interest rates and they are taking a lot of criticism from a lot of financial people that you guys were telling us that rising prices was a normal occurrence out of the pandemic that inflation was not a fear nobody had to worry about it and okay they're you know experts at the fed and all that but when you're an investor and you make a mistake like that in not evaluating things, not seeing trouble coming before the trouble's actually on your doorstep, that can have a dramatic impact on your retirement savings. And those are the things that I know that you and the Aptus team are really, really dedicated to keeping away from your client's doorstep. Yeah, and it's important to remember that the numbers don't lie, but politicians always will, right? So 
what we hear on the 24-hour news cycle is going to pump us full of that fear and greed. And if we base our economic decisions or our financial decisions based upon the emotions that we receive off of that, you're destined for doom. And we've talked many times on previous shows about how they know that, and they will use that to your advantage to sell whatever widget they're trying to sell you, whether it's gold or food for your basement or whatever it might be. But the reality is price-to-earnings ratios in a company matter. How much am I buying this stock for? And I'm not talking about it's a $200 share or $300 share, but how many multiples of what this company actually earns am I paying for this stock? What kind of patents does this particular company have that's going to build a moat around it that's going to be very difficult for another company to compete with? These are all very important things that if, if I told you you want to start a franchise with Jimmy John's or something like that, you would personally look into. But for whatever reason, we don't buy stocks that way. As normal individuals buy stocks based upon emotion, not based upon can I actually make money off of this thing. So you need to have somebody sometimes that's a barometer of logic that says, not only do I think you shouldn't do that, but I think that maybe uh, we should learn how we should be doing it. And then we can be a cohesive team to make the right decision. Yeah. And that's what, again, I found to be so true of Josh and his team's approach. And we talk about a lot of concepts here. We talk about a lot of different uh, investment avenues. We talk about annuities and life insurance. And we talked about bonds and treasuries and stocks and index funds and funds that, you know, give you some of the upside of a market and mitigate some of the downside of the market. They're not enslaved to one particular strategy. They are uh, dedicated as fiduciaries doing what is uh, the best for you, uh, legally obligated doing what is best for you. Set up your consultation, 614-917-1040, Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.